0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: I wanted to put a real stock on an animal. That was a huge measure of success for me. I finally got my buck on our our last real day of hunting. And now let me tell you guys, Mason is insane. We'll be cruising along full speed in the in the rangers getting to the spot where we're going to get out and all of a sudden out of nowhere he's like oh look there's deer on that hill oh look there's a bunch of antelope over there the muffler had basically come completely detached we had to stuff our ears with earplugs with toilet paper as earplugs you can skin them really quick and easy and you can do them up just like a cassette of chicken wings so you get a good group of jackrabbits or cottontails you can have yourself a good old super bowl party I knew this to an extent but I didn't know how far it would take me, the difference between theoretical and practical knowledge. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. But you know what? I would not trade this first puck for anything in the world. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living
0: Country in the City.
1: Hey, y'all. Welcome to episode 82 of Living Country in the City. I am coming at you solo, somewhere in between the cities of Durango and Fair Play, Colorado. As y'all know, I have been out for the past several weeks in Arizona hunting antelope and mule deer with my good buddies from Hunt 3A. And, you know, I wanted to take a little bit of this time to... Just do a quick episode, something a little different, and reflect a little bit on the hunt and and talk about some of my thoughts. You know, this one um, may not be as valuable to some of you experienced hunters, but you never know what uh, you will come across in this episode, so who knows where my ramblings will take me. Just wanted to really quick say thank you to the fine folks over at Sawyer Products They are huge supporters of the podcast, have been for quite a while now. And one of the things about this trip is I have been using Sawyer products on every turn, whether it's their bug spray, their sunscreen, their first aid. I have uh, relied on their products this entire trip. And heading off uh, to go elk hunt right now, I'm excited to use even more, pulling out this gravity filtration system and a lot of the water filtration. Definitely slathering on that bug spray uh, because it has been gross and warm. So the bugs have been out in force. But make sure you all check out Sawyer Products. That's sawyer.com. Give them a look. Go check out some of the products. They are designed for the outdoorsmen in mind. All this stuff is scent-free. Not that you're not probably already stinky from spending days in the backcountry, but why add additional smell to the uh, equation? Anyway, getting back to the episode. Like I said, spent the past three, four, I lose count, weeks uh, out in Arizona. Uh, You know, I just want to start. I can't say enough of a thank you to the guys with hunt 3a josh mason jeremy rj um, you know even uh joe and paul rippy you know all these guys that i've spent the last several weeks learning from that have been giving me advice guiding me through stuff I, i've said it a few times already but in the past three or so weeks i have gotten more practical experience and knowledge about hunting than in all the time of reading books and watching videos and you know even recording this podcast it, all combined it's amazing the difference and I knew this to an extent but I didn't know how far it would take me the difference between theoretical and practical knowledge I mean I study constantly. I talk with some of the most interesting and knowledgeable people in the industry. But nothing is going to replace sitting down with someone who has that experience and glassing with them. Or having them take you on a stock. Or watching them go on a stock. Seeing, you know, when on that stock they pull their arrow out of their quiver. Uh, Seeing how they walk on crunchy leaves or rocks. You know, even just watching when they draw their bow, when the animal's walking by or when it's facing a certain direction, when they move, there's so many little things that just you don't get from from reading. You know, you can read all these things, but it just does not sink in until you see it done, until you do it yourself. And maybe that's just me maybe that's just the type of learner I am um I am man going back to my junior high learning styles class I am what's called a tactile kinesthetic learner meaning you know I don't necessarily learn from people telling me what to do I don't even learn as much from watching them do it I learn mostly from doing things myself and getting hands-on with them um and it it's just amazing watching myself from the beginning of the week to the very end of it. Um, you know, take glassing, for example. Watching how quickly uh, I could pick something up when somebody else spotted it. How quickly I could pick out those uh, unique landmarks to point someone to a, a spot that I was checking out um, in the glass. And... It's, it was really exciting to see that improvement. And as a new hunter, any improvement is super exciting. And, you know, after several, you know, quote-unquote failed hunts, you know, I mean, they were very successful in their own ways. But saying failed in the terms of a tag was not filled. It's very easy to start getting discouraged. Not necessarily because the tag wasn't filled, but really because you don't know where to go from there, how to improve. And that's what gets frustrating. That's what gets really depressing is, you know, I don't expect to go out and kill anything on my first trip. I try to, but when you don't know how to improve, when you don't know what lessons you need to learn... That's where you get frustrated. So once again, seeing that improvement is really, really exciting. But yeah, you know, once again, talking about defining success. um, You know, I went into this trip and I define my measure of success as really being kind of the the do-it-myself. Not have somebody point one out and have me find it. But I wanted to find an animal on my own, glass it up. And I got to do that. There were several times I glassed up some coyotes and I glassed them up before Mason did. And now let me tell you guys, Mason is insane. He might be listening to this now. But this dude, I'll tell you what, I have never seen someone with eyes like this guy. We'll be cruising along full speed in the the rangers, getting to the spot where we're going to get out, set up, start glassing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's like, oh, look, there's a deer on that hill. Oh, look, there's a bunch of antelope over there. And we're all, like, straining to see where, and maybe someone will see it. But most of the time, we're all pulling out all our glass and trying to scan for what the heck he just saw. And we'll look, and it'll be, like, all that's visible is, like, an ear flickering from the shadows under a tree. And dude saw that with his naked eye. And he's quick on the draw, too. He's almost always the first one to spot something. So suffice to say, the few times that I actually glassed something up or saw something before Mason did, I take a lot of pride in that. Uh, It was, you know, y'all probably laughing at me now, but that was that was really exciting for me. But anyway, you know, one my first measure measure of success was glassing something up, seeing it, locating it, and and watching it. Like that was a big thing. I had not done that yet. Short of a couple of birds and a jackrabbit, I had not really glassed up any, any deer, anything like that. Now, my other measure of success is I wanted to put a real stock on an animal. Not like, oh, I walk out and they immediately blow out. Oh, you know, not one of these half-hearted stocks. But I wanted to put a real stock on a deer to the point where I feel like I may not draw back, but I feel like I'm in shooting range where I actually have a chance at drawing back and taking a shot at this deer and you know we focused mostly uh the first week we focused mainly on mason's antelope but every so often we'd be going from one spot to another and we'd come across a few really good looking deer uh we'd see them up on a slope or on a on a you know across a drainage or whatever and if we weren't in a rush to get to a certain spot we'd hop out and They'd uh, they get set up and keep glass on them, and Mason would kind of show me and take me on a stalk. He would show me what to do, like kind of where to go, when to when to be aggressive, when to when to hold back, and that was you know I remember the first real good stalk that I got to put on a deer, and you know we probably I mean it was probably an hour long stalk, something like that. They were keeping us, you know, they were moving around. I don't think they were really aware of us. Um, they knew something was going on. And so they were kind of keeping us at about 90 to ninety to 100 yards, right around that 95-yard mark. And, you know, we'd keep moving. We'd, we'd be a little bit aggressive to try and catch ground on them, but then they'd wander away. And uh, finally we got in within 60 yards on uh, a button buck and a spike. And this this spike is like through this gap in the trees and we're ranging it and the the trees were at about 20 yards and so i was kind of having to see well would i be able to make it through that through that gap with the arc of my arrow um and i just really didn't feel like i had a good shot at that deer's vitals but uh there's a button buck at 60 um 60 maybe 65 yards broadside and I was able to draw on that buck, and I released a shot. That was so exciting. You know, I'm not sure what happened. I may have grabbed my bow. Uh, I think I was just honestly aiming a bit too low and and kind of pulled my shot down. But, uh, you know, that was it for me. That was, you know, in the first – I can't remember if that was the first or second week or not. But really that – from that point on, I had a successful hunt. And, you know, as I've said before, everything else was icing on the cake. And, you know, I made the, made the joke, uh, a couple of podcasts ago about, you know, who likes eating cake without icing, but really I was content. That was, that was so exciting for me. And I got to make several more stocks. You know, I loosed a couple more arrows and, you know, as you all know, that have been listening by now, uh, I finally got my buck on our our last real day of hunting. Um you know, uh, half an hour 45 minutes before uh sunset. I guess you know, now that I think about it, I haven't talked about this on the podcast. I've I mentioned it on Instagram, so if y'all aren't following me on Instagram, you may not know, but uh yeah, our last day Mason and I went out, we uh we were going after some antelope and um while we were out there the ranger uh we noticed on the way out that it started getting really loud the exhaust was sounding really really loud and uh, it kind of looked like okay maybe one of the the welds on the muffler had cracked a little bit and we weren't too worried though it was just not exactly as incognito as we'd like well we get the ranger out we get to our glassing point you know we stay there for an hour or two and on our way back, we noticed that sound was getting louder and louder and louder and long story short, the muffler had basically come completely detached and it was so dang loud we just couldn't even we couldn't even stand it. We had to stuff uh we had to stuff our ears with earplugs with toilet paper as earplugs and you know some of you may have seen the videos we were acting a bit like idiots on the drive back, but it was just too loud, too obnoxious, and we were worried that the dang thing was going to start a fire with uh, with the heat coming off of it, just blowing right into the back of a ranger. So we headed back, and we were both kind of bummed out, you know, because we were thinking that was the end, that was it. You know, once again, I was satisfied with my hunt. I was happy, but I still wanted to get that last, you know, three quarters, half a day of hunting in. Well, we get back to the house, and, you know, Mason's talking with a couple of people, and a buddy of his, uh, John, thank you so much, John, uh, from up the street, offers to weld back together this muffler. So we run over there. He uh, welds everything back together. You know, we let it cool down. We get the muffler back on. Ranger's running great. We hop in. We go out to another spot. We start We start cruising around, glassing into uh, various you know, faces on, on hills, and, and canyons here and there, and, uh, just looking, looking for some bucks for me to, for me to put a stock on, and really weren't seeing anything, we saw a couple of does, you know, and we came across, uh, we came across some bucks, but they were through this nasty, uh, nasty drainage from me on this face, and, um, the wind was all wrong, and this would have been, this about, you know, an hour to 45 minutes before uh, before sunset. And we were just looking, you know, this is going to be a long, difficult stalk. And there is honestly no, I mean, there's no way I'm going to get this done before sunset. Uh, I'll be lucky if I get up on them with shooting light left. And, I, you know, I don't want to blow them out, so I marked the location, marked where they were at decided okay i'll hop in my truck i 'll park as close as I can and hike the rest of the way in, try and glass them up uh, on the other side of the ridge the next morning and or come around that e- next evening and see if they're in the same spot but there's a little bachelor herd uh, a couple of forks, some actually really nice tall forks, and uh, I think a spike in there too, and would have been great, so we decided to uh, leave them be and on our way out, uh, Mister Eagle Eye Mason picks out some deer on a ridge—or uh, not a ridge, a face—just off to our right. Uh, right as we're about to leave, and so we pull out the glass, we glass them up, and we see that one of them is a spike. We look at it. We're like, "That's the wind was right," and we're like, "That's a—that's not a bad stock." So, you know, we hop out, we grab our gear, and uh, I stalk into 50 yards on this deer. There wasn't really much cover, uh, so he kind of looks back over me, kind of trying to make out what I am, and he's perfectly broadside at 50 yards. So I draw back on him. As I draw back, he starts to quarter away, and uh, Mason uh, Mason makes a little, uh, to try and stop him. Well, uh, as I go to release, he turns... Uh, goes to run and so it's a hard quarter right as i'm releasing my shot ends up hitting further back than i expected but man my the nice thing about shooting an elk setup is deer is it will punch through anything so the shot went in through its back hip up through the gut and straight out through the vitals um you know you flip you flip that deer over and it looks like a perfect heart shot but you know, he runs off, um, and, and you know, I I kind of run up on this little hill so I can uh, get a good view of where he's going off to, and I see him, it, you know, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't quite limping, wouldn't be the right word, but he was running really funny, and I I hadn't seen exactly where I'd hit him. Uh, Mason knew that i had hit him further back, but, um, you know, I, I kind of, wa- I'm watching, I'm watching, and he's running funny, and he's side-hilling across this spot, and, all of a sudden about 50 yards from where uh where I had hit him both of his legs just fold up underneath him and he drops doesn't move uh doesn't take a single breath after that and you know I I couldn't even I w- I just couldn't even believe it um you know I gave Mason a big hug and you know we grabbed our gear and made our made our way across to the deer and uh you know I walked up on him and it's just everything happened so fast that I I just don't think I ever fully processed it um you know it's hard to it's hard to even say now how I feel about it it's uh I mean it's amazing um you know as y'all that have been following me know like there's been a lot of build-up to this this has been a very very long time coming and uh just after thinking the ranger was toast, thinking we weren't gonna hunt, the excitement of getting back out, and then not really seeing anything, and then just thinking like, okay, well, you know, we'll see what happens after that. It's just hard to believe. It still kinda of feels like a dream. You know, I'm driving right now and I've got a yeti in the back of my pickup full of dry ice and whole lot of venison that let me tell you, tastes dang good. Oh my gosh, Um, you know, I am so proud of my deer, I'm, I'm proud of myself, I'm not ashamed to admit it, like, I worked hard for this, and I had a lot of other people helping me out, and also working hard for this, and I am proud of that it all came together, and I am super proud of my deer, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm under no illusions that he was this giant mule deer, but that doesn't matter, I mean... The first mule deer I put a stock on was a button buck. You couldn't even see those things without a pair of 15 15 power binoculars. But I would have been just as happy with him. Um, So I'm under no illusions that he's this giant buck. And I'm not really concerned about that. Yeah, giant bucks are cool. Giant bucks are freaking awesome. They're beautiful. And you know what? If one had been standing there, I would have gladly shot him. But you know what? I would not trade this first buck for anything in the world. I mean, oh gosh, I'm so stinking proud of him. And you know, you can probably still tell just by how I'm rambling that I'm still processing this whole thing and my feelings on it, but I'll tell you what, the nice thing about him not being a ruddy and and all that, you know, he uh he only ran 50 yards, so, you know, he didn't have all that adrenaline churning through him. We got him gutted uh cleaned and hung skinned him and uh got him quartered uh and in bags just i mean immediately and the nice thing is we did it all the nice thing about doing it right before sunset is that we were able to do that all at night it stayed cool we got him into the cooler got him on ice and then uh, a day and a half later we had him down we were deboning him processing everything getting those cuts of meat getting them ground getting everything done and we ate him that night. Oh man, he was good. And I am looking forward to eating quite a bit more of that deer. I'll tell you what. Now, you know, I'm talking about all that deer meat that's uh, in my Yeti in the back of the truck right now. There's one other thing that's sitting back in there. And I guess the story I skipped over uh, in my excitement to talk about my deer was that my deer wasn't my first kill. Um, we were, like I said, we were hunting really hard, and you hunt that hard for days and days and days in a row. You know, you're getting up at at three o'clock in the morning to get get way out there before sunrise. It's exhausting. You know, you're out till who knows how long. You're getting anywhere between four and six hours of sleep a night at most, and it's a struggle. It is without a doubt a uh, pretty big struggle and I drive him by and thought that was a dog in someone's yard and it was a deer really really small deer thought it was a big dog anyway gosh I love being out of LA if you can't tell um but yeah so it's it's a struggle when you are forced to be just non-stop focused so sometimes you gotta take a brain break <laughs> for Josh and Kathleen you know you need to be on brain rest Um, it's an inside joke, folks. They'll laugh, trust me. Um, yeah, so, uh, one of the things that, uh, these guys are really big on, really love to do, especially Jeremy, is predator calling. Now, you know, I won't get too much into it here, you know, I made a long post about it on Instagram, but, you know, I know a lot of people disagree with predator calling or don't understand it. Thing is, it is as necessary and important uh, part of conservation and our north american model of conservation as any sort of hunting food is great food is very important uh, byproduct of hunting that is a great reward uh, for a hunt and i know that's the main reason that a lot of people hunt um, or at least that's the reason they say they hunt you know i always take that with a bit of a grain of salt just like say when i Hunt. I'm contributing to conservation. Well, yeah, that's true, but that's also not the only reason I do it. That's an important reason and really makes me feel good about what I'm doing. But uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, predator hunting helps balance populations. You know, it, it helps keep other populations safe. It you know helps ensure that the coyotes or foxes or you know whatever whatever these animals happen to be that we're hunting. Uh, and it is still managed by wildlife biologists. So science versus, oh, you're shooting the the cute foxes and coyotes. It's feelings. Anyway, I digress. But, yeah, so uh, one of the things they love to do is go predator calling. And uh, we went out and threw out the decoy, grabbed the rifle and the shotgun, and did some calling. Um, we went out a couple of times and came close on a on a few uh stands but uh mason and i went out on a couple of stands one of these evenings and you know we had the decoy out and we were getting towards the end of the stand you know we had been going for 15 minutes or so on the calls and we were both kind of thinking of packing it up where when mason spots some movement out in the corner points it out to me and gray fox uh comes running in um you know she came in right like she was on a string Ran into about 30 yards and stopped for just a split second. And I pulled the trigger, dropped her quickly and cleanly. And, you know, that was my first kill. Um, you know, it wasn't with a bow. I was kind of expecting that my first one, you know, would be a deer with a bow. But, you know, wasn't meant to be. And I'll tell you what, just like I'm proud of my deer, I am so proud of this fox. One, she's beautiful. Uh, for a for a summer fox, beautiful tail, gorgeous hide, and uh, I am planning on doing a full body mount with her. Um, I guess you can eat fox. I have not tried it, uh, so I cannot speak from first-hand experience whether or not it is any good. But uh, some people have said they've tried it and liked it. Uh, I will hopefully try it someday. But, you know, this one was my first harvest. You know, with her being such a beautiful fox, um, I I really wanted to get this one mounted. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's preservation of memories. And, you know what? It's a trophy. You know, I'm saying a, ooh, you know, the T word. But it is. It is a trophy that commemorates a lot of hard work and study and... I'm just as proud of that fox being my first harvest as I am of, you know, my spike being my first big game tag filled. There were so many other victories. I mean, so many other victories on this trip just had an amazing time. I honestly, I could not have asked for a better trip. The only one thing I would change about this trip would be Mason getting his antelope. I've never seen somebody work so hard for something in my life. I mean, that guy was going on three or four stocks a day sometimes. Um, And, you know, keep in mind, folks, we may be up in the high desert, but this is still Arizona in August. It was not exactly pleasant weather while we were out there. Um, And, you know, Mason's, Mason's doing miles and miles on his feet each day, just working his butt off. I feel like he really earned that antelope, but, uh, you know, I guess it was not meant to be for this trip. Um, you know, he's sworn off, quote-unquote, sworn off uh, archery antelope, but uh, we've talked about it, and, yeah, he's totally putting in again. But, it's a, you know, it's a hard hunt. I, I would have loved to see him fill that tag. You know, he came real close a couple of times, you know, but that's that's his story to tell for sure yeah so that's the one thing i would have changed about this trip there's so many other victories um i got a cottontail with my bow <laughs> that was uh that was a fun little harvest and um you know for those asking cottontails uh and jackrabbits you skin them you can skin them really quick and easy mason showed me a way to just basically in one pull get them get them fully skinned um but if you skin them, gut them, and quarter them, you can do those quarters. They look a lot like chicken wings, and you can do them up just like a cassette of chicken wings. So you get a, you get a good group of jackrabbits or cottontails, you can have yourself a good old Super Bowl party. Uh, um, anyway, but yeah, I got a cottontail. I'm actually looking at his tail right now. Uh, got it uh, sitting on my dash. Um, you know, you guys, if you've been listening to the podcast... You've already heard about the snake. That was a huge victory for me. For those of y'all that don't know, I'll give you the, the short version, or you can listen to episode 80 with the Hunt 3A guys. Um, you know, I, I do not do well with snakes at all, any snakes, uh, but especially rattlers just absolutely terrify me. I mean, they just scare the ever living crap out of me, and uh, I... You know, we were, we were coming back from one of the stands predator calling and came across a rattler, and Mason dispatched it with his shotgun, and I had to summon up quite a bit of courage to touch it and then actually pick it up. Because I'll tell you what, those things keep moving for hours after they're dead. And they will, without a head, without a head, they will try and strike you with the dang nub. It's all nerves, you know. There's no like it's not like spiteful that you killed it or anything. But uh you know, it, it, it was freaky. Um hopefully uh you know in the next week or so, yeah, I keep trying to do it, but I haven't had time. I'll be releasing an episode on actually skinning uh skinning those, mounting the skin and uh grilling up the meat. It was a nice big fat uh rattler you know didn't have any parasites so we uh we skinned him and grilled him up and you know he tasted good it was definitely an interesting texture kind of reminded me of a tough fish kind of texture but the taste was very much uniquely its own but yeah full of victories um we did uh we went out took another break and went out uh, one evening uh, a few of us to uh to some ponds up uh up outside of the town and uh, we did a little uh a little fishing for bluegill and mostly we just you know it was just a nice fun relaxing time unfortunately we forgot the beer come on i mean come on it's just we must have been brain dead from hunting all day but yeah we went uh we went in and pretty much just uh sat there jackpulling bluegill for uh a couple hours uh with hot dogs that was fun i i could you know i tell you what i could do that all day if i had a few beers with me and uh nothing really beats a good relaxing day of fishing or hunting you know but yeah this trip was a uh, uncountably more successful than i ever thought it could be um ever expected it to be I, like i wish you guys could see how big i'm grinning right now just talking about it um uh, but, yeah, you know, once again, big thank you to all the guys. Thank you to Jeremy for for putting us up. You know, thanks to uh, Ashley and Kathleen for uh, taking care of us, keeping us fed, had some amazing food. I, you know, ate better on this trip probably than I have uh, at home in the past several months. But, uh, yeah, no, I will definitely, I these guys have definitely become family for me um, and I cannot wait until my next trip back down to Arizona, um, I'm, I'm already wondering how soon it can be, so, but yeah, (sighs) hopefully I didn't bore y'all with that one, just wanted to do a short little recap that ended up being a lot longer than I expected it to be, so hope y'all enjoyed it, hope y'all pulled a little something out of it, if not just some entertainment, um, but, all right, you know, that'll do it for episode 82. Make sure y'all check out the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash uh, 82. You can check out uh, links to my own socials. No, I'm not going to put those up. Uh, <laughs> y'all know how it ends. All righty, keep it country, y'all.
0: Thank you all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com.